Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Our teens need more support and encouragement than ever before. We need to show them that there are so many accomplishments in their lives that are just waiting to be discovered. This is the Dr. Stem Show with Dr. Stem Malatini. We want teens today to feel valued in their schools, homes, and in the community. The Dr. Stem Show will give the voiceless a voice and the hopeless hope. Now, here is Dr. Stem. Good afternoon and welcome to the Dr. Stem Show. Today's topic is things every teenager wishes their parents knew. I took a group of six teenagers and went through my latest book, 47 and a Half Ways to Things That You Can Say to Your Teenagers and How to Say Them. What I wanted them to do was to select, I asked each one of them to select 15 of the 47 and a Half Ways that are listed in that book and tell me what they wanted to, their parents to know. And you'd be interested in knowing that most of them, or the 15 out of those six uh, teenagers that I had, were mostly similar things that they chose and wanted their parents to know. So what we'll do is as much as we can for the one hour that we have, I will go through some of those tips that are listed in my new book, 47 and a Half Ways to Things That You Can Say to Your Teenagers and How to Say Them. As I said, the topic for today will be things every teenager wishes their parents knew. Many teenagers are convinced that their parents have a running list of the ways they can embarrass them in front of their friends, ways that they can trick them into doing more chores, making their curfew even earlier than it's supposed to be. That's not a good way of them thinking about you. One problem is that the teenagers themselves have consistently complained about its parent that are reading books or learning from experts that have written books or experts that have talk shows like this one here and not listening to the teenagers themselves. And that's the reason why I wanted mine not to be an expert-driven show, but a teenage-driven show where even if we ask them what they wanted, we can be able to discuss these things that they want. That way the parents will have a way of knowing what the teenagers want. And I also did another book, which I'll come back with on another segment, which I wanted the teenagers to understand where their parents are coming from. So that's another 47 and a half tips that I made for you. So listen out for another upcoming show that we'll be discussing for the parents, because many of you might think, well, why is it that the teenagers can tell us what they want and we can tell them what we want. Don't worry, I have you covered because I have another book that I did write. It's already published, 47 and a half ways that your teenagers will need to know what you want them to know. I will share with you today what the teenagers wish their parents knew. As I said, from the six selected teenagers that I just, you know, I randomly picked to ask what they wanted their parents to know. The first thing, which was quite interesting, they said, don't ask, answer questions. 
And what is an answer question? This is a question that already has an answer in it. For an example, mothers, especially, they said they love to ask, don't you think that girl Sheila is mean? Do you think you should do something about that very important assignment that you're supposed to do? Don't you think that guy is not good enough for you? Sometimes those answer questions drives the teenagers crazy and they say themselves those question and answer questions drive us crazy because it makes us feel like our parents don't think we know what to do or they're actually belittling our opinions. Yes, the teenagers say they do have opinions. So if you're one of those parents that want to ask your teenager a question, be cognizant that they're saying, ask a question, don't tell me what the answer is, and I'll tell you what the answer is. The other question that they picked was, comparing us hurts more than you think. Whenever a parent starts a sentence with, why can't you be more like... So and so, teenagers say they automatically cringe. They fill in the blank with perfect best friend, older sibling, or a younger, more obedient version of their mother. But many parents don't realize that comparing them to others makes them feel bad about themselves. And they say, well, you know what, it just makes us feel worthless. And it sends us the message that we should be less like ourselves and more like someone else. It's never a good feeling, especially when you're trying to find who you are. Because those teenage years, they say it's a struggle for us mothers. So don't compare us to anybody else because that hurts us as we are trying to find who we are. Another point that they picked up was the issues are the same, the circumstances are different. That's the title of the tip in my book. They said, we know that every parent was a teenager once. Although it is sometimes hard to believe it, even though all teenagers have some of the same issues, like dating, curfews, pressure at school, bullying, they say they want their parents to know that the circumstances are so different. Colleges are more competitive, you know, even Facebook, text messages, anything that is out there uh, complicates their relationships, they say. So please, they say, don't assume that things are the same as they were when you were a teenager. And talk to us about it and ask us what is different. Many parents, they say, don't have the time to sit down and say, you know what, let me just tell you how it was for me when I was a teenager. It's always, it wasn't like that. We didn't do it that way. How come you guys are doing this now? This is terrible and it's not even anything that is acceptable in my family and yet you don't understand how different it is growing up in this era and how different it was back then. You know, it's amazing because even... When I am working with the teenagers, I find that myself that sometimes it's automatic. It's, it's just, you know, something that happens that I start to think back and compare myself when I was a teenager and what I went through or how I reacted to different situations. It wasn't all perfect, I tell them. And I didn't know how to do it. But what I know for sure today, as Oprah Winfrey says in her book, what I know for sure, what I know for sure today is that my parents, the adults in my life, were right. They were right in comparing what I was going through to what they went through. 
they were right in trying to redirect me and tell me what they thought or they felt was the right way to do things than what I felt and wanted them to understand. So for whatever it takes, I know that it's hard as a teenager to want to understand it now, but I can guarantee you that it will all make sense. And one day you will look back and understand that, you know what, it all made sense. And the parents are trying to mold you into the best person that you can be. They're not trying to make you be like them or anything, but this is another tool that you can put in what I call your goodie bag of growing up that you can put in there and say, you know what, I have something to stand on because my mother said, or my father said, or my uncle said, my teacher said. So when it comes to that issue of comparing circumstances uh, from their past, I can guarantee you that it will make sense. But for the parents out there, what they say is it's annoying. And I can, you know, also understand that it could be annoying because some parents try to say it every time as if their path was, you know, trouble-free and none of us had trouble-free teenage you know teenage years we all had our problems and what the teenagers are only saying is hear my side and hear where I am and when the time is appropriate I will understand where you're coming from the other point that they checked out was risk is tempting risk is much more appealing to us and you know for a lot of people you want your teenagers to take the risks but the teenagers said they want their parents to know that this is so that the parents can encourage them in taking positive risks, but don't force it on them and don't make it so scary that they are actually scared of taking the risks that they, they take. They also said, if I don't see you taking risks, if I'm looking at your life and I see how you are stuck, in fact, one of the kids wrote an additional when you are stuck in a rut yourself and you're not making the right decisions, the right risks, how could you expect me to take the right risks? How could you expect me to be able to have the strength and the courage that you always talk to me about to take the risks that I need to take? So in other words, your teenagers are saying, we are watching you as an example. And most of the time we say, you know what, you have to do what you say. Your words and your actions have to be consistent because these teenagers, I tell you, they are so smart that it's not just the reading, it's not just the talking that you're going to be doing you know, to them, but it's also what you do with your life and how you live your life that they're looking at. And they're watching. They're so smart that for me as a therapist, when I'm sitting there and listening to them, I'm just wowed every day at how intelligent they are and how observant they are. So they say even though risk is tempting and they want to take the risks, they are saying you need to leave that example so that they will be able to take some risks as well. Today, we are talking about the things that every teenager wishes their parents to know. I will be taking more points that the teenagers themselves circled in wanting you as a parent to know. This is from my latest book, 47 and a Half Ways for Your Things That You Can Say to Your Teenagers and How to Say Them. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
How much difficulty do you have getting your employees or your customers to listen to the solutions you can offer? This may be one of the great frustrations in business. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem now offers solutions with her Soft Skills Leadership Training Program and the Women's Executive Leadership Training Program. To reserve your seat in one of her coaching sessions, purchase her books, or to book her services, email her at drstemmalatini at gmail.com. Or go to her website at www.drstem.org. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, we are back. Today we are talking about things every teenager wishes their parents knew. I had six teenagers, and these are some of the topics that we're continuing to talk about that they circled in my 47 and a half ways for the things that you can say to your teenagers and how to say them. The teenagers circled just because we are rolling our eyes doesn't mean that we are not listening. We often pretend not to listen to our parents or care what they think, but actually we do and we are listening. Don't let our eye rolling or attitude fool you. We are often listening and what you say matters to us more than you think. But sometimes they say you just rumble on and on and on. And we tend to roll our eyes as a way to say, okay, enough already in a polite way, which is quite interesting because I know for most parents, this is a pet peeve for them. Then the teenagers walking away, they're text messaging, and we probably will be talking about text messages in a letter um, number that they circled. But the rumbling of the, you know, the rolling of the eyes is one of those that, you know, people can read into it many ways. So I was surprised when they picked this one and they say, no, we're actually listening. And I can tell you as a professional that how do I know that they're listening? Because I'm always intervening between the parents and the teenagers when, the, when I do family counseling. And the way that I know is I can ask your teenager what it is that you said. And 99.9% of the time, you, the parent, are always acknowledging and saying, yes, that's what I said. So I know they're listening at that time. Is it rude for them to do it that way? Yes, it is rude for them to be rolling their eyes. Yes, it is rude for them to be using their, you know, telephones or text messaging whilst you're talking. But as an adult, I think we need to think about why is it important that this teenager listens to me? Because what you want them to do is to listen. What you want them to do is to be able to change whatever behavior that you're talking to them about. What you want them to do is to get what it is that you're talking to them about. I do that in counseling services when they walk in and the teenager is on their cell phone and, I mean, no, text messages. They won't talk, but they will be text messaging or looking on their phone. And the parent jumps at them and say, you're being rude to Dr. Malatini. Why are you text messaging while she's there? And I'm thinking, well, 
it's my session. I'm the one that's controlling this session. So why is it that you jump at, you know, your teenager when we are in the safe environment that we can talk about the ways that you want them to listen to you and not scream and yell at them that loud that it scares me out of my chair? Well, it's probably my problem because I let these teenagers do, you know, look on the phone. I let them do that. But at the end of the day, when I look at their grade report, when I talk to the parents about how they have, you know, followed through with the curfews, done their chores, I always find that they have done what they're supposed to do. So to me, it doesn't make sense for me to pounce on them to be able to not look on their phone, to listen to me, to look at me when I know at that point they're really shutting down, when they have shut down all the phones and everything because now I'm mad at them or I'm, you know, demanding that they shut their phones. So choose your battles. Choose your battles. The other one, they say the body language that they say good. It says we all cheered when Ursula got hers in the little mermaid, but she knew that she was talking what she was talking about when she told Ariel to never underestimate the body of language. This is a quote that I have in my book. When you're talking to your teenagers, even if the conversation isn't the most pleasant of conversations, be sure that your body language sends the message that you're actually interested in what is being said with your teenagers. I know it's the reverse of what I was saying when when we were talking about the teenagers themselves having a body language that is saying, I'm not listening. Trust me, for the teenagers now, because they're kids, they're looking at your body language to see whether you're interested in what they're saying or not. They're looking at your eyes rolling to say you're trusting them or not. And I can guarantee you, that it means more to you as an adult that the teenager talks to you about what is going on in their life than for them to listen to you as an adult on what's going on in your life or what you want them to do. So this is why I put that in my book for the body language, for the parents to be cognizant of that because many of you are always coming in and complaining, well, the, you know what, my teenager you know, doesn't talk to me. I don't know what's going on with their life. What they want is for them to be able to feel and know that you're actually really listening when they're talking to you, that you care and you understand. The other point that they pointed out was be credible. As I said before, your teenager is smarter than you think. In other words, if you don't back up what you say, you may as well not say anything at all because your words will be empty and worthless as far as they're concerned. If you say no, Don't cave and change your mind no matter how much whining they do, no matter how much arguing or pouting that they do, even if they throw away stuff and they, you know, punch walls, anything, do not change that no. Because by you being consistent with what you have said, they now know and understand that, you know what, when mom, when dad, when uncle, when teacher says no, it means a no. Because it's in their nature to be able to pout, to be able to curse people out, to to do things that are inappropriate just so you can change that no into a yes. If you say you'll be somewhere, be there. That's another thing. Because you're going to want them to be where they say they are. And they, you know, they are looking at you, as I said before, to see where you are. If you ground them or withdraw privileges for misbehavior, which if they're punching walls and they're breaking things, they should be. 
there should be consequences that are outlined. And, you know, some of these things need you to call the law enforcement if they're really, you know, uh, rowdy and scary and destroying stuff. Then you, you have to do what you have to do because that's where we now put in the tough love. And they understand that this was because it was something that was discussed when we were not in the heat of the moment and it's something that you follow through. Maintain your eye contact and, and let them know that you are serious with everything that you say. And then don't say anything you don't mean because you have to understand that you have to mean everything you say. When you're battling with guilt of giving in, remember that your credibility will strengthen or weaken your teenager in the long run. And that's the problem that I'm finding with a lot, a lot of the teenagers today. I I hate to say it, but the blame sometimes lies right in the parents. Because then one minute you're saying yes when you mean no, and the other minute you're saying no when you mean yes. And then when it's really uh, no for you, and the teenagers used to you going back and forth or used to you changing your mind and they do something, then, you know, it's an emergency. Well, my teenagers did this, but then when I look back and ask you what has been going on and how you've been doing things, both teenager and parents agree that, you know what, we're not consistent in what we say. Sometimes I change my mind on what I've been saying, and that's not good. So what they're saying and what I said in my book, 47 and a half ways to, for things you say to your teenager is be credible, be credible, say what you mean, because your teenager is listening in. Please don't yell is another one that they they circle. Yelling doesn't accomplish anything, I can tell you. Anything good, that is. Yelling is a form of aggression. And think about it. What you do when someone acts aggressively to you, when they yell at you, you go into this defense mode. Going into a defense mode that can lead... Sometimes for you to withdraw sadness, aggression, and at times you get angry yourself. So remember now that your teenagers can feel the same way and they do feel the same way. Parents who yell at their teens break down their self-esteem and self-confidence. And you know how important it is that we are constantly wanting our teenagers to build their self-confidence and self-esteem so that the bullying and, you know, the assertiveness can lead them into becoming the best teenagers and the strong teenagers that we want them to be. So your yelling doesn't help at all. Teens who are yelled at for most of the time, according to research, um, they are second rate. They feel unimportant. They feel inadequate. They feel stupid and unloved and just plain old bad. Is this what you want for your teenager? Is this how you want to model your communication with your teenager? I hope not. So seek to speak quietly and compassionately. They can hear you. Trust me, your teenagers can hear you. I even said a quote. I wrote a quote with this one, uh, the yelling. It says, the kindest word in all the world is the unkind word that is unsaid. So remember, yelling does not bring you results. Try and not to yell at the kids. And I can go on about why parents yell because there's more to your yelling than the teenager can understand. And we understand, but then it's not going to get you the results that you need. Again, today we are talking about the things that every teenager wishes their parents knew. These are just some of the tips that I put in my book, 47 and a half ways for things that you can say to your teenagers and how to say them. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. 
Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. As a youth motivational speaker, author, and coach, Dr. Stem understands that in a world where today's youth and parents are jaded and disappointed by institutions and people they perceive as out of touch with the reality of their lives, motivation is a dose that is much needed. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem Malatini is a refreshing change from the typical speaker. Dr. Stem understands the pressures, heartaches, temptations, hopes, and dreams of the generation that is just now coming of age. Students listen in transfixed silence as she speaks with the clarity and confidence of someone who has worked with teens, parents, and teachers for over 20 years. Her high-energy school assembly programs create a defining moment for schools and provide an experience students never forget. To reserve your seat in one of her coaching sessions, purchase her books, or to book her services, email her at drstemmalatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back talking about the things that every teenager wishes their parents to know. These are only some of the tips. It's the tip of the eyes, as I may call it, from my book that I wrote this year, 47 and a half ways for things to say to your teenager and how to say them. As you can see, what I encourage parents to do is to buy these books. They're available on Amazon.com. And buy these books, one for your teenager, one for yourself. They, they are conversation starters because just like the way that I took the books and gave them to six teenagers and say, okay, guys, circle the ones that you want your parents to know. Let's say if your parents were here, what is it that you would like them, you know, for them to know? And the way that they do is once they circle them and you circle yours from the parents, you can actually exchange and say, well, listen, let me tell you the one that I circled. And this would be from the teenagers since we are talking to the teenagers um, today. It says, you know, be respectful. Respect, you know, it goes two ways would be what the teenagers would say. And you can actually start a conversation about that. And for those parents that have difficulty setting boundaries, this is another way that you can start that conversation with your teenager. Because once you get to one that requires you to say, well, but let me tell you about what, like, what you did. I asked you to go to, you asked me to go to your friend's party. And then I said, okay, fine, you can go. But be back at 11 o'clock. What did you do? You came back. At midnight, didn't even call me, didn't even text message me, and didn't tell me anything. Well, mom, I thought I told you that it might be late. Well, but I didn't, you know, I didn't tell you that you could stay as late as they are. You see how now you're now starting to talk about that day that, you know, they came in late. At that point is a great time to say, okay, let's agree on this. If I tell you your curfew is at 11 o'clock and everybody else is staying late, can you at least 
call me, text message me, and I will come and pick you up if that's what you wish to do. Or at least I will know that you're coming late if that's what you wish to do. But to set something down, and I also encourage you to write it down. Because these teenagers have shut such a short memory. But it's amazing how the parents themselves have a shorter memory than the teenagers. So just to make, you know, peace between everyone, let's write them down and say, okay, when it comes to curfew or you coming in late, this is what we want, we have agreed on. When it comes to you breaking my walls and punching on my walls, this is what we agree on. You know, I'll ask you to paint those walls, here's the paint, and put back my wall, or I'll just call the cops, you know. And then it's it's in a, an environment where they're not mad at you, you're not mad at them, and it's something that you can work it out. So as I'm doing these today, see how they can work for you and your family, open up, you know, some conversation between you and your family. Some people have blended families where sometimes, you know, the two parents are parenting, you know, kids from previous marriages or previous relationships, and it's difficult to put this all together. These books are meant for you as well, because because this will help you to start discussing how, as a family, you want the rules and the consequences and the rewards to go. Don't forget the rewards, because most parents are always gung-ho on, you know what, I'm going to punish you, you can't go this, and, you know, you got curfew. Let's remember the rewards as well, because that works, you know, for them to be able to do and continue good behavior. Anyway, back to what they circled. They said, get the facts. This is number 23 in my book. It says, there's no worse feeling in the world than not to be believed when you are telling the truth. That is why it is imperative that you all have the facts, all of that are possible anyway, before addressing troublesome or confrontational issues with your teenager. Fact gathering should be done quietly, carefully, and as much tact as possible should be considered. While you cannot always assume that your teenager is yelling the whole truth and nothing but, it is also unwise to always assume an adult is doing the same. Teachers and coaches have been known to play favorites making unfair judgment, be less than professional and even legally and morally guilty of wrongdoing sometimes. Your teenager's friends are capable of throwing your teenager under the bus to save their own skin. So when it comes to approaching your teenager about troublesome situations, give them due process, hear their sides, check the facts, and do whatever it is that is morally, socially acceptable in checking your information before making any decisions that might be necessary for you to take as a parent. As they say in America, it's you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Treat your teenager with an open mind. Because then, you know what, sometimes they are innocent and sometimes there's nothing going on. And then sometimes there is something going on. And you might even be glad that you're finding out more of what's going on with your teenager than what you have. So sometimes I said, get the facts to help you, the parent as well, to be able to get the information that you need. Because I'm always appalled at parents that, you know, hear something and actually come to the school and start yelling at the teacher 
teachers or start be acting inappropriate themselves or they even fight other teenagers, you know, because they've said something about their teenager and yet they haven't gotten all the facts of what has happened. And even if you get the facts, I don't advocate for anybody coming in and yelling or fighting anyone but this is one of the ones that they circled from what I wrote and I had a quote with that one that says you may be deceived if you trust too much but you will live in torment unless you trust enough so part of it is I'm encouraging you as a parent and they are encouraging you as a parent to trust them get the facts before you start yelling or giving them consequences they also circled one that says, pick your battles. Is it really worth wasting 10 minutes of conversation? Reminding your teenager how irritated you get when you don't, when they don't rinse your dishes. And this is what I wrote because this is what I get, you know, from them that you go on for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just ranting and raving about how irritated that you get when they don't rinse the, the dishes. Is that a C or D on the test actually what stands between them in, and your future happiness? I wonder. So your taste in music must, might not match up with theirs. So what? You know, don't tell them, oh, you can't listen to this music because it doesn't match with my music that I like. I actually, you know, saw a show on Oprah, you know, yesterday that um, these ladies, they are now singers, famous leaders, singers in Atlanta, Georgia. And they were saying when they were teenagers, their parents did not allow them to listen to any other music except gospel music. But what was compelling for me was to be able to see how it impacted them long term because they felt controlled. They just felt like... You know, they couldn't do anything else and think outside the box for themselves. So the teenagers are saying, you know what, mom, dad, pick your bottles. You know, as long as they're not listening to sexually explicit and degrading music, I should add that, you know, that promote violence or anger. Then, you know, I mean, let them listen to whatever it is that they want to listen to. I don't know about you, but most of the music I'm hearing with the teenagers today, there's a lot of sexually explicit, you know, uh, words in their songs. And, you know, I don't know about promoting violence or anger, but, you know, the sexual explicit is almost in every song that I've heard a teenager singing about. But then when I look at their grades, this is an A student, this is a, a student that is in the student government. And then, you know, I listen to their iPod and I hear this sexual explicit music. I have to pick my battle because then they're doing well in school and, um, you know, they're in the student government, they are playing the sports. And so what's that music got to do with it? Nothing, I, I think. So what they're saying as well is, you know what, I mean, don't tell me to not do things that are not, you know, a violation of other people or anything. It's difficult to decide whether growing pains or sometimes, you know, teenagers have. So pick your bottles is one of those that they uh, picked out. There's one that they picked out that says appreciate. Let your teenager know you appreciate them is what I said on that tip. Yes, there are going to be days when you don't feel there's much to appreciate. But when all this said and done, ask yourself, can you imagine your life without that crazy, wonderful, frightful, and adorable person or people in your life? I don't think so. And, well, I hope not. That is why it's important for you to let your teenager appreciate what you do and also to be appreciated by you.
each child is different and special in their own way. Let your teenager see those things in them and that, you know, that make it worthwhile for them to be, you know, your your teenager. Tell them the things that you're proud of. Tell them the things that you're seeing that they're doing right. I'm always amazed at parents who, after meeting with me for counseling with their teenagers, saying, oh, she's exactly as I was when I was a teenager. And then I look at them and say to the parents, you turned out to be okay. You seem to be doing well in your life. You have a professional job, you have degrees, you have, you know, a family and you have this teenager as your child, you seem to have turned out okay. So sometimes we forget that we were teenagers and sometimes we forget to appreciate and build on the good things that the teenager, our teenager is going on. So remember that you turned out to be okay and your teenager will turn out to be okay as well. So they will find their own way. Your teenager will find their own way. Just continue to be supportive, continue to pick out the good things that they do. And continue to be open and accepting of who they are uh, as a person and who they have turned out to be. And I can guarantee you, you'll be one of those that will come back, not only to tell me that my teenager is exactly the way that I was, but you'll be proud to say, you know what, she or he made it just like I did. Again, we are talking today about the things that every teenager wishes their parents knew. I took six teenagers just at random, gave them my brand new book, 47 and a Half Ways to Say, um, the things that you have to say to your teenagers and how to say them, and they circled the things that we've been talking about today. Um, I will take another quick break, and I'll come back and say just a little more points that they picked out from that book. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The rise of women into society's most powerful leadership roles ranks among the most profound social transformations of recent decades. Leaders around the world realize that lifelong professional and personal developments are no longer an option. They are a necessity. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem is the personal and professional coach, trainer, and speaker who will take you from ordinary to extraordinary. To book one of her coaching sessions or services or purchase her books, email her at drstemmolatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. 
That's one 346 9141 If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back for our last segment of talking about the things that every teenager wishes their parents knew. I don't know about you, but as I'm reading what they circled and reading what I wrote in this book, it's just deja vu for me. I'm, I'm sitting in my office. I'm envisioning the families that I've worked with and the teenagers that I've worked with. And it is so exciting to understand where they are coming from. And it's so exciting to understand where the parents are coming from. But what's more exciting for me is to be able to bridge that gap that is between the teenagers and, uh, you know, the parents, the teachers, and all the adults in the community. And that is the reason why I created the Dr. Stem Show. Whether it's the radio show or the TV show, for those of you that are local, you've seen me on TV, it is the same goal that I have, that we can bridge the gap that is between the teenagers and the parents. And most of all, I want to see the teenagers succeeding in everything that they do because I tell the teenagers all the time I said let me tell you something one thing no matter what happens between you your parents the teachers and everybody else who's an adult in your life there's one thing that we want from you we want you to prove us wrong by being the best that you can be we want you to prove us wrong by actually obtaining an understanding that your first certificate to life, the first key that you need to life is your high school diploma. Once you get that key and open up another world of opportunities and get more keys in the college, more keys in your professional you know, career that you choose, more keys in the family, the businesses that you open up, you will have made us the proud adults in your life. So no matter what it is that we are doing, we are only trying to help you understand and be the best teenager that you can be and also turn out to be the best adult that you can be. So parents, don't forget that that's, that's the whole idea, but not to fight with them and stress with them to the point that they don't focus in schools. Fight with them and stress them that they don't focus anywhere else and they become angry teenagers and they become angry young people that are not being productive in the communities, that are not being productive in the schools that, are, that they are in. So do it enough, talk to them, be open enough so that they can understand where you're coming from but we have to watch them blossom we have to watch who they are and who they turn out to be and my hope and prayer is that they turn out to be the best that they can be that you want them to be another point that they circled is don't nag I say in my book, nagging your teenager is one of the surest ways to shut down communication it doesn't take very long to figure out that talking to you is going to end up in you either drowning on and on about anything and everything, and that's a turn off. Or it's going to end up with you yelling and screaming. Of course, the teenager is going to turn off. Not only will they quit talking to you, but they'll begin to avoid you just to make sure you don't have the opportunity to start something. It's easy to be predictable, to be on the lookout, and it also will be easier for you to see that you're being a nag based on your teenager's reactions. So instead of seeing them as being disrespectful, 
see them as what is it that I'm doing or saying to my teenager that is making them react the way that they are reacting? What is it that I'm doing that is making them avoid me as much as they're avoiding? Am I being a nag? Am I talking too much? Am I repeating these things in a way too much? And sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to, but then do it to a point where it's being effective because when you look at it and you're nagging and, you know, it's not doing anything and you're getting high blood pressure, you're getting stressed out and you're getting um, into arguments, not only with your teenager, but now it's overflowing to your relationship with your spouse, you know, boyfriend, significant other. And now it's also rolling over to other kids that you have. Then it's time to stop. And look at it. Maybe they're right. Don't nag. Don't, you know, make it too much of a big deal than what it is, you know, as we say, in pick your battles. So reminder that they say, don't nag, you know, stop just going on and on and on and look at that behavior as an indication of looking at yourself and what it is that you're doing. The other one that they circled, which is funny, is TMI. And you know what TMI means. If you are a parent or a teenager, it means too much information. In a society where economic turmoil has turned hundreds and thousands of lives upside down and where divorce is commonplace and the life situations for the parents are a burden for not only the parents but the teenagers themselves, TMI is what we call too much information because parents talk about their money issues to the point that the teenager feels guilty for being born. They feel guilty for being alive. They feel guilty for playing sports. They feel guilty for needing a pair of shoes, for even wanting food, money to buy food for school or money to, you know, be around other kids to just do that, just the normal basics of what they need to do because they're hearing and seeing way too much than they're supposed to see. A parent's talk of losing the house, having to relocate, being laid off, they all cause unnecessary anxiety in the parents themselves. So can you imagine what it does to a teenager's mind? A teenager who's already stuffed and, you know, has all these things that they're having to struggle and deal with as a teenager, that's a lot. It, it becomes too much information for them to carry through. And then there are those parents who work their teenagers trying to get them to take sides against the other parent during a divorce or custody proceedings. I say, you know, that's a shame. It's really a shame because it's too much for you as an adult. Can you imagine a child being put in between your parents to make a decision? It's not their decision. It's not their place for them to make that decision or to play that, you know, a game between the parents. They should be just a child who, if you decide to go apart, they should be able to love and be loved on both sides, not to choose sides. While your teenagers need to know, and you know, they have a right to know about the things that will directly impact their life, you need to spare them the gruesome details, the anger, the you know, resentment that you have. In situations like this here, less is more. When it comes to details. And that's where professionals like myself come in. If it's becoming too much and you as a parent cannot discern whether, you know, is it something that I need to talk about? Is this going to be too much? Then seek a professional. We'll be able to help you to discern what is, what is, you know, enough and what's not enough and what is it that is your gunk that we can work it out with you rather than 
put it on your child and then you know you have all these angry people walking around the house and in the schools because they don't know what to do with that information because it's too much information TMI constantly telling your teenager they'll be just like their father or just like their mother there is another thing that is way too much information but it's not fair at all because they are becoming who they you know can be they're different from their father they're different from their mother but If you constantly tell them that, not only is that disturbing, but that's something that actually they struggle with on a daily basis to say, why is it that you cannot see me as who I am? Why is it that I have to be like my father when my father I know is not good enough in your eyes? So why is it that I can be there? I'm yet to see one that will come in and say, you're going to be just like your mother. And they tell me their mother is a doctor or their father is a doctor or a lawyer or a successful person or a happy person. And that's why they're being compared to that because most of the time when they're being told you're going to be like your mother or your father is because that father or mother is not a good person in the other person in the other parent's sight and your teenager says they have a unique chance to be unique themselves and different so support them instead of boxing them into what you believe could happen to them and i understand that it is something that you're afraid of that you're afraid that could happen to them but at the same time that's too much information for the teenager they don't need to hear that they need to hear you know what you're gonna be different and you're gonna be the best even you're gonna be different I think it's even inappropriate as well because then different from what what if I love my mother anyway with their bad choices and I love my dad anyway with their bad choices I just need you to support me in what it is that I am becoming and what it is that I'm talking about well today you've had some pointers I hope that will help you understand and Start the conversation between you and your teenagers. Start the conversation between you, the teenager, and your parents or the teachers. For the professionals out there, this is something that you can use as well, that book, 47 and a Half Ways to Things That You Can Say to Your Teenager and How to Say Them. You actually can use this book to start conversation in your family sessions. You can start this in individual sessions. You can also start this in um, seminars. If you're doing seminars, you take one or two pointers and have the parents work in groups or have the teenagers work in groups. So in other words, this is a resource that you can use in many arenas, but especially for the families that are in the homes, I urge you to take some of these books and read them with your teenagers so that you can start the conversation. That is the two 47 and a half ways to say, to, for things to say to your teenagers and how to say them. And as I said, I'll be back with another segment where we will be talking about the 47 and a half things that you wish your teenagers knew and um, they will be able to understand where you're coming from as a parent. I want to thank you for listening to the Dr. Stamshaw. And before I go, I want to leave you with a quote by Albert Einstein. He says, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Dr. Stem Show. Please join us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another enlightening show. Have a terrific week.